Good afternoon, America. How's it going? Welcome to the Thursday edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live at the Foxhole app, as well as the Twitches and other areas of the netherworld. Netherworld, netherwebs. Yeah, same difference sometimes. Anyways, sorry guys, I'm coming in a little bit early today. I hope you guys don't mind. I had some things going on this afternoon, plus... Uh, UK Neil's coming on at 4 p.m. Uh, Texas time, and I uh, didn't want to miss that one for sure, so I thought that I would just pop in for a real quick howdy do and hello, and uh, to run by today's headlines with you guys on Mr. C Style. Hope you guys are having a wonderful afternoon, and I hope you guys are doing well. All right, guys, before we get started, I was just going to give a quick shout out to uh, all of our uh, fox holders over in from yesterday. We had, let's see, uh, Monkey Toes, Tracy Lee, 555, Nylon Camel, Classical Chick, The Grouch, 79, uh, Joy for Trump, and uh, let's see who else do we have in the chat here that day. Love Warns, thank you, Love Warns, for that uh, useful bit of information. I'll get with you again later on on that. Cherokee George, Carrie Lake, always good to see you. Always good to see you. And uh, so we had a whole host of other people who came in. But again, always good to have uh, the Fox whole family on. Liz Garcia was in the house also. Hope you're doing well, Liz Garcia, as well as your daughter. Babs the Ice Queen, better lately. Stopping in to say hello, Sergeant Sparky. Joe, one of two, of course. Helios, one. Always good to see you back, my friend. And uh, let's see here. Anybody else we got? Loyal to the Foil. It was, uh, it was actually cool seeing your name pop up in chat. Loyal to the Foil. I chatted with you a little bit. Actually, you and Aurelius Locke were cracking me up uh, while I was watching um, the One Foot in 5D over there with Alara. Awesome show. I really enjoy the work I've seen there. Of course, I've tended to lurk just a little bit, but I'm starting to come out of my lurk hole is what I like to call it. And uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, kind of just, uh, well, I, I'm slowly making my way across, you know, the uh, the Foxhole programs and shows that come out. Napkinator79 was in the house, Red Ant as well. And let's see, I think that's about it as far as those who are Disco Ball Chaser. Howdy, howdy. Oh, yeah, Donna Mustang Girl. It was very cool chatting with you yesterday. And uh, let's see here what else we got. Anyone else worth a mention? Red Pill 66. Any relationship to Red Pill 78? That'd be pretty cool if I had one of his family members. I mean, we're all family members here, right? But uh, present and accounted for in the chat. Um, just kind of checking out what we have going on over at the Sea Report. Kind of information and news that we have for you all. Scorp Brat 05 and Gen C Bonneville. Hey, hey, hey. It's always cool seeing new names. The Speak Easy, what's up, brother? How you doing over there? Oh, he asked if I was close to Cedar Park. Uh, I used to be closer to Cedar Park, but I think uh, in uh, respect of the rest of Texas, I'm actually pretty darn close compared to some places. Yeah, not too far up, maybe like a couple hours drive, depending on, it will actually be more than a couple hours drive, depending on the traffic. Because you all know the traffic can be quite crazy sometimes. And the city of Austin was a place where you could literally get from one side of the city to the next in 15 minutes, maybe. But during rush hour traffic, that is some pretty heavy stuff that you're contending with over there. Too if far, you're trying maybe. to get over, 
But all right, guys. So, okay. And you know what? What may as well give a shout out to everyone who's in the uh, the chat room now. Hey, Cloud Watcher, how you doing? Hi, Mr. C, 45 p.m. Eastern. I hope I'm in the right place at the right time. Mr. C has a fat. Thank you, Cloud Watcher. I do appreciate those kind words. Yes, I'm here in a little bit early, so I can check out UK Neil. I didn't. I was not aware he was going on at 4 p.m. Texas time. Uh, which is also Trump time, Eastern Central time. So um, doing a little stop in for free. Freedom's not free. This is very true. Very true. Hey, Micah, what's going on? I hope I'm catching you early enough. Uh, Micah is one of our um, one of our listeners from over in France. So uh, anytime I can go on early, um, Micah's usually all for it. Uh, the Texan, howdy, sir. How you doing? Hope the road's treating you well. Uh, La Regina, NYFL, New York, Florida, maybe. Hey, 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 Foxhole and Pill Family. Yep, Roy Stones and Bones, what's up? All right, guys, and Tracy Lee 555, good to see you again, sweetie. Hope you're doing well today. All right, guys. Oh, so yeah, we're going to be doing uh, just some headlines, of course, like we usually do here at the Sea Report. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to do a special, a special chat recap. So uh, if you guys are not over at UK Neil by then, because we'll probably go till about 4.15 today, uh, you can catch that chat recap I'm going to run by you guys. And then, um, well, otherwise, you can always catch the replay, right? Because that's what's great about having these shows. Uh, if you like them live, they're there live. But if you just like straight up viewing, uh, perhaps you're doing something or perhaps you're busy or perhaps you can only listen. That's what the replays are great for, don't you think? Okay, guys, let's go ahead and get into today's headlines. Of course, Trump always leads at the sea report. So we're going to go ahead and get into yet a couple statements. And then uh, I was actually digging around for some more Trump info. Um, didn't find any more on that Candace Owens interview. The only thing I could find was a clip of her asking him to run as, uh, to be his running mate in 2024 which is like, okay, that's cool, Candace. I think, I mean, she would be an outstanding uh, representative for any state that she ran for. And of course, I mean, I guess we could see what kind of a uh, job she would do as vice president, but I guess we'll see what's up with that. One thing I did find interesting on some Trump news, uh, there's some papers out there, some so-called journals, I guess you could say, who currently are, um, um, I guess, kind of prepping the way for a possible Trump indictment. Uh, so I thought, okay, so uh, to me, clearly, it's it's probably going to be another one of those wrap-up smear campaigns. Um, but what you had here was a, a possible obstruction of justice uh, against uh, President Trump for obstructing the Mueller investigation. I mean, really guys, like we saw how bad of a job, I say Mueller, Mueller, we see how bad of a job Mueller did, you know, during his, uh, his, uh, his foray into trying to accuse Trump of things he didn't do and, and also mishandling basically everything and lying. Uh, very weak man, very weak, weak man. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I don't know how far they're going to get with that. I don't know how much water they're going to be able to hold to um, a Mueller um, being able to, well, the Justice Department being able to charge Trump with obstructing his investigation. I mean, he had plenty of time. Anyway, and then his uh, his uh, report uh, was like basically a big old flop. You know, it was uh, it was pretty uh, pretty a pretty neutered, I would say, a pretty neutered type of uh, report that he did there. Had no teeth whatsoever. Uh, but then also we see that uh, the Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. 
he's going to be trying to move some forward, uh, something forward uh, to indict Trump, uh, something having to do with possibly his tax returns, because he has those. Um, supposedly, he has a trove of documents that would show how uh, Trump got his longtime CFO to flip, whatever that means. Uh, he's looking into uh, outside forensics accounting firms to assist him with all of this. And uh, also uh, a man by the name of Mark Pomerantz, who is a veteran prosecutor who's been known for um, putting white collar criminals behind bars, including those who had mob connections. So you can see they're definitely going to try and ramp up something, some kind of lawfare, something political to go against Trump, because, of course, uh, they can't uh, they can't get him anywhere. It was it someone who had said one time it would be really funny if, you know, uh, Trump can't, went by the nickname of Teflon Don. <laughs> Teflon Don, because everything that they throw at him just doesn't seem to stick. Oh, well, there we go. Well, you know, I mean, I hear Teflon's not the best thing for you could have some unknown health health uh, consequences, but uh, I'll take uh, Don's Teflon any day. He could sell it, right? Teflon Don, go ahead and get it in the store. All right, guys, let's get to some of the Trump recaps in his statements for today. Let's start with this first one, and I'll expand that for you. If there were long and horrible gas lines like this under President Trump, the fake news would make it national outrage. Did Joe Biden put Hunter in charge of our energy with all of his Burisma experience? Even Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm is lost. Yeah, I think she's the one that was saying, yeah, we should probably use pipelines after all, right? I guess uh, she has no idea about that at all as well. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get on to the, oh yeah, and you know, because like, like we said, and like everyone has said, there never were any type of gas or oil problems and or shortages when Trump was in office. And uh, now it seems that, uh, that, that seems to be the, uh, the word of the day. My heart goes out to those of you over there in the Southern states uh, and to the Southeast. Now, Texas wasn't really affected by it. And I don't really know if that's just because I don't drive, but uh, <laughs> uh, we haven't seen any type of gas runs or toilet paper runs here in the Lone Star State. So I'm not too worried about that on that front. But we do know over in uh, places like Georgia, Florida, and the Carolinas, they were actually seeing uh, some some quite uh, lengthy lines and, and runs on other things, uh, to say the least. So I guess we'll see how that goes. But word up on the street is that that uh, gas line uh, pipeline is operational again. So hopefully... Um, Hopefully it'll it'll be back uh, with gas in those regions sooner than we had expected and or hoped. Uh, I believe it was uh, the governor um, Flip Floppy Kemp, um, who we like to say flip flops more than a dying fish in the Texas sun. Um, uh, he he's the one who had made that announcement that sent all of Atlanta and Georgia into an uproar. Uh, stating that they probably wouldn't have gas until the weekend. So hopefully they'll get it back, you know, by this afternoon or, or tomorrow, maybe. Uh, hopefully they don't have to go through that too much longer. <coughs> All right, excuse me. Our next, uh, our next uh, update here from uh, President Trump, a guy named Miles Taylor, who I have no idea who he is, don't remember ever meeting him or having a conversation with gets more publicity pretending he was in the inner circle of our administration when he was definitely not. Some people, some people refer to him as absolutely nothing. I hear he is on CNN and MSDNC all the time, 
but he had nothing to do with any of my decisions, and I wouldn't even know what he looks like. He is the guy who fraudulently wrote a make-believe book and statement to the failing New York Times calling himself Anonymous. That's right, he, a lowlife that I didn't know, was Anonymous. Now he's putting together a group of rhinos and losers who are coming out to protest President Trump despite our creating the greatest economy ever, getting us out of endless wars, rebuilding our great military, reducing taxes and regulations by historic levels, creating Space Force, appointing almost 300 judges, and much, much more. He is a phony who will probably be sued over his fake book, and fake anonymous editorial, which caused so much treasonous stir. Miles Taylor and his fellow rhino losers, like Tom Ridge, Christine Todd Whitman, and crazy Barbara Comstock, voted for Biden. And now look what they have. A socialist regime with collapsing borders, massive tax and regulation hikes, unrest in the Middle East, and long gas lines. He is even giving us men setting new records playing women's sports. What a disaster for our country it has been. Indeed, Mr. President, indeed. What a disaster. Wow, that was a that was that was a pretty scathing but also a pretty good rundown of uh, his accomplishments. Huh, you got to wonder if he's campaigning again. Hmm, I don't know. We're not going to speculate here at the C report. Um uh, but needless to say, uh any support that this man gives to those running with an America first agenda, well, I'll take that support any way it comes. Okay, guys, so let's see what else we got going on here. All right, uh, let's see, we talked about that already. Oh, yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and just, you know what, let's do this one first, because it's real quick. Oh, no, we don't want to see her face. Oh, no, well, oh, 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 jumping ahead. Huh. I thought I had this woman's picture here. Okay, guys, well, then forget that. We're going to go straight into Arizona. Okay, so let's get back into some of these election audit updates. We took a little break yesterday. We don't have too much to cover today by means of election audit updates, but um, we will cover them nonetheless. Uh, for, oh, yeah, that's why we had this scary lady on it. Yeah, there we go. I like I like saying that she had the uh, lesbian Sonic the Hedgehog hair back in the day. Of course, that is uh, George Soros-funded Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who's been doing everything she can, which hasn't really amounted to much, to try and derail uh, the Arizona audit elections there in Maricopa County. Now, um, see, this, these the things that these people do, right? Losers will be losers. Um, so, I mean, we see her running away, running away from uh, from reporters who are trying to ask her questions. You know, you'd think she would be transparent and open like they all claim that they are and uh, nonpartisan, which they definitely are not. Uh, but uh, what was it? This uh, uh, recently uh, this was last night. Apparently, this woman made an appearance on The Daily Show. That just goes to show you that, uh, you know, all the uh, Democrat, liberal, socialist, communist people, uh, progressives, um, they really take their news as a joke. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was never a fan of The Daily Show, per se. <clears throat> I think it was in its glory years back when I was in high school. 
And I, I just remember uh, all of the all of the all of the I know everything group um, who watched the daily news and they thought they were getting their news and all of their talking points. They felt like they were well educated and informed because they watched the daily news. Right. So I don't know. I just I, I can't see how these people take this serious and I can't see how you would take someone like Katie Hobbs unless she had her lesbian Sonic the Hedgehog hair while she was on the daily news, how they can take themselves so seriously, right? I mean, she would fit in as she would fit in as a joke with hair like that. But uh, she was she was uh, reported to have said, "This is really dangerous for our democracy. This is a group of people who uh, are clearly partisan." Oh, really, really, Miss Katie Hobbs? Uh, I mean, they extended the offer to you and the Democrat Party to be part of this uh, audit, and yet now they're calling it partisan. Go figure. She also said, it is headed by a company that has no auditing or election experience, and they're making up the rules as they go along. So, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, they're making up the rules, I guess. They had they had subpoenas filed. Uh, they went through uh, legislature jurisdiction to get this started and to get it underway. Uh, they have um, they've they've surrendered their how to plans and guides on how to get all of this uh, audit done. And yet they seem to be making up the rules as they go. I'm sorry, Hobbs, but I'm pretty sure that it is actually your party that is making up everything as it goes, especially as they're you know, clamoring to cover their tracks as we'll cover in a sec. But um, it was it was quite interesting. Um, the only reason why I was able to mimic her voice like that, even though it was probably done very poorly, she uh, I had seen this uh, one report that she did over on MSDNC. We'll call it that now, right? Uh, and yeah, she was just like, I don't I don't know what it's all about with the routers, but um, it, it affects all of our infrastructure, and it'll just be dangerous, and it'll put the whole state on hold. And you know, she has one of those like squeaky soy girl voices. Actually, a soy girl does not have a squeaky voice; they have a manly voice because we all know that estrogen mimickers work in reverse in women. And I guess that's not the case with Miss Hobbs because she still sounds pretty squeaky. But yeah, she's now getting death threats. Uh, that is what uh, that's what they uncovered in the MSNDC uh, um, interview that she had with that. I don't remember is it who that guy was. She was talking that that really annoying old Chris guy. I can't remember his last name. But yeah, and then and then they went ahead to go ahead and coin this Maricopa County audit as a fraud. It. Yeah, that's 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 quite fanciful there. Quite fanciful there. Fraud it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, enough about that. Okay, so let's get into a little bit more news about what's going on over in Arizona before we move along on the C report today. We had um, we had uh, the Senate who had previously been calling for um, uh, the routers to be turned over as well as the passwords that you know no one in the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors seems to have, you know, and I guess we won't find out who has them um, since they're not under subpoena. But interestingly enough, a document was sent over from the state Senate to the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. And basically they're saying that they're not going to call for a subpoena to get testimony under oath now. And uh, I think that might have to go with the fact that they're probably finding a lot more information out than they may have previously expected. Let's go ahead and see what this uh, document has to say. Um, it says uh, that they're seeking, I'm seeking to, I'm seeking your assistance and cooperation in the resolution of three serious issues that have arisen in the, in the course of the Senate's ongoing audit. 
um, of the returns of the November 3rd, 2020 general election in Maricopa County, one ongoing non-compliance with the legislative subpoenas. Now you may you may remember y'all that uh, they were um, uh, they were subpoena sub they were issued subpoenas I want to say subpoenaing but that sounds kind of funny they were issuing subpoenas for um, you know like the routers the information and uh, the Dems and all of them they pushed back on that they they sought you know the the judge's opinion and all but the judge ordered them that this was all like fair it was legit and that they would have to uphold. Um, the requests of these subpoenas. Of course, to date, there are certain things that they are still not um, upholding that request for. Anyways, back into this note, it says, uh, first, the first issue concerns Maricopa County's apparent intent to renege on its previous commitment to comply fully with the legislative subpoenas issued on January 13th, 2021, which as you know, Judge Thomason found were valid and enforceable. Keyword enforceable. To date, attorneys for Maricopa County have refused to produce virtual images of routers used in connection with the general election, relying on a conclusory and unsupported assertion that providing the routers would somehow endanger the lives of law enforcement officers, their operations, or the protected health information and personal data of Maricopa County's citizens. Now, that's an interesting point there, because according to Katie Hobbs on her MSDNC interview, um, they were going to it would it would basically put a halt to all of the work they're doing in Maricopa County if they handed over those routers. And of course, she's not telling you that they want virtual images of the routers, not the uh, routers themselves. Uh, so I don't see how having an image would, you know, stop them from doing their work. Anyways, if true, the fact that Maricopa County stores on its routers substantial quantities of citizens and employees, highly sensitive personal information is an alarming indictment of the county's lax data security practices rather than of the legislative subpoenas. Similarly, the county's assertion that the pro uh, that producing the internet routers for inspection would cost up to $6 million seems at odds with Deputy County Attorney Joseph LaRue's prior representation to audit liaison Ken Bennett that routers already had been disconnected from the county's network hmm, and were prepared for imminent delivery to the Senate. Senate. Again, we find another double standard here or double speak or I don't know, just a lie. Um, uh, they were ready to turn those over, apparently, but I guess they weren't. Nevertheless, in an effort to resolve the dispute regarding productions of the routers, we propose that agents of Cypher, an experienced digital forensics firm and subcontractor of Cyber Ninjas, review virtual images of the relevant routers in Maricopa County facilities and in the presence of representatives of the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. Such an arrangement would permit Maricopa County to retain custody and monitor the review of router data while ensuring that the Senate may access the information it requires and to which it is constitutionally entitled to successfully complete the audit. The Senate has no interest in viewing or taking possession of any information that is unrelated to the administration of the 2020 general election. So there you have it. Clearly the Senate, Republican Senate of uh, Maricopa, of Arizona, they're not just complaining and asking questions. They're giving solutions too. So they're saying, look, you can do what you want. 
Um, and, and we'll just, uh, we'll just, we'll, we'll do it there on site. You can have the sheriff's monitor. The routers will never leave the facilities. Uh, they provided for them an, an outlet to go ahead and move forward with uh, collecting this data. And yet they're still refusing to. It makes you kind of wonder what they are up to. Of course, we already know what they're up to, right, guys? But, you know, separately, Maricopa County has refused to provide the passwords necessary to access vote tabulation devices. Its attorneys insist that the county does not have custody or control of this information is belied by the county's conduct of its own audits, which if they were as comprehensive as they purported to be, almost certainly would have entailed us uh, told use of the passwords to examine the tabulation devices and it strains credulity to posit that the county has no contractual right to obtain an example control of password information from dominion meaning basically the county has no right to get that information or access from dominion because they haven't been able to do it yet and who knows? I mean, they might be covering for Dominion. Dominion might be telling them no. We don't know what's going on on their end. We just know it looks mighty shady. All right, point two here. Chain of custody and ballot organization anomalies. As the audit has progressed, the Senate's contractors have become aware of apparent omissions, inconsistencies, and anomalies relating to Maricopa County's handling, organization, and storage of ballots. We hope you can assist us in further understanding these issues, including specifically the following. One, the county has not provided any chain of custody documentation for the ballots. Does such documentation exist? And if so, will it be produced? Mm, keyword there, chain of custody. They've provided no chain of custody documentation. Two, the bags in which the ballots were stored are not sealed, although the audit team has found at the bottom of many um, Many boxes cut seals of the type that would have sealed a ballot bag. Why were these seals placed at the bottom of the boxes? Three, batches within a box are frequently separated by only a divider without any indication of the corresponding batch numbers. In some cases, the batch dividers are missing altogether. This lack of organization has significantly complicated and delayed the audit team's ballot processing efforts. What are the county's procedures for sorting, organizing, and packaging ballot batches? Most of the ballot boxes, number four, were sealed merely with regular tape and not secured by any kind of tamper evidence seal. Is the county's customary practice for storing ballots this? Five, the audit team has encountered a significant number of instances in which there is a disparity between the actual number of ballots contained in a batch and the total denoted on the pink report slip accompanying the batch. In most of these instances, the total on the pink report slip is greater than the number of ballots in the batch, although there are a few instances in which the total is lower. What are the reasons for these discrepancies? For your reference, please see several illustrative, in example, not comprehensive examples in the table below. Table is below. Uh, here's the table. There you go. As you can see, a negative 2, a negative 35, a negative 13, an 18 positive, negative 10 discrepancy. All right. And then finally, number three, and this one was actually quite a big one as well. We have recently discovered that the entire database directory from the D drive of the machine EMS primary has been deleted. This removes election related details that appear to have covered by the subpoena.
In addition, the main database for the election management system, EMS software, results tally and reporting is not located anywhere on the EMS primary machine, even though all of the EMS clients reference that machine as the location of the database. This suggests that the main database for all election-related data for the November 20th, 20 election, general election, has been removed. Can you please provide advice as to why these folders were deleted and whether there are any backups that may contain the deleted folders? And it has the images below. And then, you know, it's, I am hopeful that we can constructively resolve these issues. Signed, Karen Fan, president of the Arizona State Senate. And then the following is exhibit A and then the rest of these, like, you know, things that they're looking at here. So, all right. So, yep, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty well-lettered, uh, pretty well-worded letter. I would say that they're asking for, you know, this type of information from the uh, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. I'm sure Bill Gates over there on the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, and that's their Bill Gates, not Belinda Gates. Pretty sure that uh, they're squirming over there. Um, and and I, I would suppose that maybe they're not going to move forward with the under oath subpoenas just yet in person uh, to give them time to go ahead and answer some of these questions. I mean, uh, and this is by invite. So the Senate has invited the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors over to um, to the uh, Capitol building over there in um, Arizona uh, to go ahead and answer these questions. Um, but it, it really is pretty in, uh, interesting when you think about all of this and all of these points that they're able to bring out right at the jump. It says, when inspectors received the boxes of ballots where the ballot uh, ballot where the audit was being performed, the tamper-proof tape was cut off the boxes. So that was another thing. The chain of custody thing is also another big thing. Chain of custody is required in elections in many states, um, if not all, to ensure that the ballots counted in an election are properly administered and handled. We know that there was a big chain of custody type of uh, faux pas or um, uh, discrepancy over in the state of Georgia. And uh, we're willing to bet that it did happen in other places as well. So we'll see where this goes in uh, Arizona. Um, and that's basically what we have on that for today. Um, we'll follow that up with a um, quick word, uh, a quick word from Dr. Kelly Ward and an update of the Arizona Maricopa County election audit. Hello, everyone. It is time for America's Audit Update from the Republican Party of Arizona. I am your chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward. If you want to get the real story on Arizona's new Ward. election integrity law, Senate Bill 1485, tune in to our first vice chairman, Pam Kirby, on our Republican Party of Arizona daily update. Now let's get down to audit business. We all knew when the audit was started that it was going to be big, big news. The simple process of Americans pursuing their rights through a duly elected legislative body to hand recount and perform a full forensic audit has sent the Democrats and their big tech donors and corporate media titans into a total frenzy. They're rallying their troops. They're sending out their talking points. They've brought in teams of big money attorneys and put up every roadblock imaginable to try to stop this audit from being completed. Millions 
millions of Democrat dollars have poured right here into Arizona in a full-fledged national anti-audit disinformation campaign is underway. They've carted out their stable of ex-Republicans or Republicans and given national attention to any single current Republican who may have had questions regarding the audit. What they don't show you are the millions of Republicans, independents, and yes, even Democrats who want to know that our elections are secure, fair, and transparent. Why the frenzy? Because the Democrat plan for re-engineering America starts with open borders and open elections. Forget the rules. Anyone can enter our country illegally. And if you ask for voter identification or try to stop phony mail ballots from being counted or stop dead people from voting, why? That's what those Democrats call voter suppression. And at this very moment, while the hand counting of ballots continues, there, you know, there's a lot happening behind the scenes and legal action is imminent. Arizona Secretary of State uh, and political hack, Katie Hobbs, who is campaigning for governor, has made her office an official nonpartisan office of the people of Arizona into ground zero for anti-audit forces. She's using taxpayer dollars to do to do the Democrats dirty work to launch lawsuits. And she's even asked for unconstitutional federal intervention, federal monitors to enter Arizona. She and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and their attorneys continue to put up every roadblock and make every excuse possible to try to subvert the power of the Arizona State Senate and of the Arizona courts to conduct and finish this full forensic audit. Beyond the actual recounting of each and every ballot, there is new information coming to light nearly every day as to how poorly the election in November was supervised in Maricopa County and in our state. Election officials say they didn't have access to passwords um, that are critical, critical equipment, but outside vendors like Dominion did. Routers weren't secure and may have been used to allow access to a network of county offices. And now Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richard has revealed in a letter to voters that he learned that prior to his term, a breach of voter identification information occurred last election cycle and is now being investigated by law enforcement. If I were a Democrat, I think I'd be in a frenzy myself. We all know. We know this old adage that where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, through our efforts and through this audit, which has gained national attention, the smoke is finally clearing. So stay focused. There is plenty, plenty of news to come. I thank you for tuning in. And don't forget, you know, support us in our efforts to make sure America's audit is completed by using the donate link below. I'll see you next time. All right. And so that is our Arizona update. Yeah, indeed. I mean, they are flanking uh, the Dems and the progressives, all of them, all of these uh, treasonous election cheaters. They are flanking them on all sides right now. Like Arizona is on fire, I would say, with uh, all the news that's coming out in regards to this election. And they're getting hit from every side. So we'll continue to see how that goes. 
I mean, really, guys, I think they would have to drop a bomb or have some type of other immense false flag in order to get the attention off of this audit and what's going forward with it. But we'll see what happens. I mean, you never know. You might have a whole bunch of high school graduates going there and tear up the place. Uh, and then maybe they'll get rid of all the machines, too. Who knows? And all the ballots. All right, guys. Uh, we have a few more, a couple of more stories involving election fraud, and then we'll move on to some other business. This story is going to be coming out of the state of Pennsylvania. Now, we know Pennsylvania was one of the dirtiest, shoddiest places. We had so much uh, negative activity going on in Pennsylvania in regards to these um, election um, audit, um, election results. Pardon me. Uh, we had what, an, another corrupt secretary of state there, you know, trying to change rules and laws and stuff like that. Everything done outside of legislation. Finally, the people of Ari Arizona, the people of Pennsylvania have decided to stand up. And uh, they have launched a petition to audit the vote in Pennsylvania, citing alleged fraud. Now, it says here in um, a, a news article from the National File that patriotic American citizens have launched this petition in Pennsylvania um, to urge the legislature to audit the results of the 2020 election audit. The citizens demand a recount of votes and signature verification on mail ballots. Um, a, a Trump stronghold in 2016, it says, Pennsylvania certified its electoral college votes for Democrats. Joe Biden, after a disputed paper ballot counting effort in Philadelphia, alarmed civili civilians nationwide. So that's something that's going to be moving forward in um, Pennsylvania, it looks like. The, the petition was drafted by an individual of the name of Tony L. Shoup who is associated with Citizens for Free Speech um, over a number of anom anomalies. So let's take a look at that petition real quick. This is from AuditTheVotePA.com. Uh, Pennsylvania Full Investigative and Forensic Audit of the 2020 Elections. We won't go through all of it. Um, there's a lot of pretty strong writing here. A lot of this has to deal with the legislative. Um, and then, of course, uh, some of the things that they found. Uh, both absentee and mail-in ballots, the number of applications received, the number that were approved by the County Board of Elections, and the number returned by the voters were subsequently canvassed. The number of qualified voters who used provisional ballots ballots. These are the things that they're looking at. The number of applications of, for absentee ballots from people who were not registered to vote, but subsequently did not submit a voter registration application in time for the election. And the same information concerning mail-in ballots for each county, the date and time that the county board of elections began pre-canvassing. This is all information that was not provided to them. So they're looking at that. They're looking at overall inconsistencies. A total of 423,116 votes were removed from President Trump on election day. Um, this has been well-documented by multiple outlets. In Philadelphia County, there were uh, 1,686 precincts. In 278 of those precincts, 97% or more votes were for, Vi for Biden, and that was an unprecedented outlier. According to a statement released on December 28th by Representative Mike Jones, there were 170,000 more ballots cast than there were voters who actually voted. To our knowledge, none of these irregularities were investigated or resolved due to the fact that this data surfaced after Secretary Brockvar or Bookvar and Governor Wolf certified the elections. According to an article in the Washington Times, over 21,000 dead people were still showing up on voter rolls prior to November 3rd election. Out of the 12,192 were listed as active voters from those dead voters. This issue was taken to court, but no investigation was ever done to confirm that dead voters were in fact not attached to recorded mail-in ballots. 
and also says you will find a reference page, a link that includes a list of dead voters, along with their referenced obituaries who had recorded vote on the PA Pennsylvania Track My Ballot website before it was taken down on November 21st, 2020. Uh, they had issues with the voting machines, obviously. Um, it says here, Dominion claims that their machines are not able to connect to the internet and therefore cannot be hacked into the purpose of switching votes from one candidate to another. However, we witnessed on live TV and in, in the Senate Georgia hearing on January 5th, 2021, the voting machines were in fact connected to Wi-Fi and an individual was able to hack into those machines through his phone, giving him direct access to the votes in real time, thus proving Dominion claims are false. So that's some of the stuff that they're looking at. Uh, there's some other information. It goes on. It goes on. You can check that out at auditthevotepa.com if you would like to see that petition yourself. Um, quite interesting. And let's see here. What do we got going on? Oh, sorry, guys. Temporary. Temporary. Dessert. I think I might have been raided. Hey, guys. <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for rating the C-Report again, and welcome to the show. Uh, we came on a little bit early today, and we'll be uh, wrapping it up in just a little bit. All right, guys, so let's go on to our next story, and this is our next story involving election fraud, uh, one that's coming out more and more to light, and one that people were uh, kind of aware of, but then, of course, the media doesn't touch things, and things just kind of fall out of our mind, right? Well, we reported here yesterday, um, uh, was it yesterday? It might have been the day before, uh, but we, uh, either way, we reported about how um, um, Zuckerberg of, you know, Facebook was infamy, um, has actually been seen to have election money that he was going into. Now, we already knew this. He put millions of dollars into funding these elections, right? Uh, we reported about how the Wisconsin Five, the five major cities, had received money from Zuckerberg. And, uh, you know, and, and basically Zuckerberg had one of his representatives over from the Center for Tech and Civil Life, which is a Zuckerberg Facebook funded organization that had to do with uh, voting in the, the in the age of COVID or, or voting in the age of melon ballots, I guess, whatever you want to say. Um, but how he had spent money um, in in um, in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, this guy basically handled the um, the uh, electoral proceedings for those cities, which is against municipal uh, laws in those cities and also against Da, 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 constitutional uh, uh, legislation, which calls for the state legislature to make up these guidelines, right? So now we're seeing that there's evidence of this also happening in Michigan. So Michigan is getting slammed with another one of these, uh, these um, voter integrity issues. Now, uh, Just the News actually reported on this. Just the News had a FOIA request that they actually had granted um, and it showed it showed the response from the city of Detroit to uh, the grant that had been authorized by the Center for Tech and Civil Life. Uh, so let's go ahead and pull that document up here real quick. Now, here is the report called the uh, CTCL Center for Tech and Civil Life COVID-19 Response Grant Report. So basically what they were doing here is, I guess it's like one of those survey things, you know, wherever you, uh, you I guess, uh, were you were you pleased with the money that we sent you? Now, these guys received a lot of money over in Detroit City. They received a total of $7,436,450. Dollars. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not good with number guys, but okay. So, uh, and then here in the rest of the grant, it, it tells you what they spent their money on. Uh, they spent what? What is this? 160,000 on 
uh, ballot drop boxes. Uh, they spent um, $560,000 on poll workers, recruitment, hazard pay, and or training expenses. Um, let's see, they spent uh, $250,000 on poll, place, rental, and cleaning expenses, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then they had this little questionnaire at the end of it. Oh, they even they even asked them if they needed to, to, to take more time to spend the money. Like, that's crazy. It says, are you interested in requesting a six-month extension to your grant agreement in order to spend your grant funds? So even post-election, they're offering them all this money. Of course, they put, no, I don't need to have an extension because they probably spent all that money on themselves anyways. And then here at the bottom, are there any, are there any other thoughts you'd like to share? Uh, to which the answer was, we created a new expectation for the public because we significantly increased the number of ways voters can vote. Without the $7.4 million grant funds, we would not have had significant challenges with the administration of the 2020 presidential election. We have created a new normal in terms of how voters expect to vote in the city of Detroit, the funding structure established must be preserved for future elections. We are requesting grant funds for the current year. So uh, that's pretty telling there. Uh, you know, I, re I remember when I went to go vote during during the presidential election and they were using, uh, you know, pencils to, I mean, you signed the ballot with the pencil, which I just, I did not agree with at all. So I made sure I had my pen. Um, but the lady was like, yeah, that's the new normal. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this phrase, we're going to hear it everywhere now. But anyhow, um, so in regards to this, it said that there's the city had reported that more than three quarters of its control, its uh, control money of its center for tech and civil life money. That's five point six million dollars, like we said, uh, was spent on poll workers recruitment front funds. Uh, and see, that's the thing, you know, um, kind of something that I hypothesized with, you know, with no, uh, no legs to stand on. But when Trump took um, the treasury and he, uh, he, um, he nationalized the federal reserve cutting off their funds, you know, and that's also when COVID happened and now they're giving out COVID relief money. And you know, it was going to all these cities, you know, what they really wanted was the money to spill into the coffers of, of these Democrat cities. So this way they could pay for more of their corruption. That's what I think. Anyways, that's my personal opinion. You don't got to take that to the bank because clearly the city of Michigan and uh, Detroit, Michigan has already taken it to the bank. Uh, but they were using that money to hire more people. So I question how much money were they spending on these people and, and how much money were supervisors getting that were already, you know, um, um, already going to do this whole fraudulent practice. So that's something interesting to think about. We'll see how that story develops as it moves along. Um, and we bring you more news on the front of election audits going on around the country now. I mean, it's really picking up speed. Okay, guys, what's next? Ah, okay, sorry, guys. <laughs> That's the ugly face that I was looking for right after the Trump statements. Like, why not talk about this thing on the back on the heels of something that Trump says. Anyways, the only reason why that fool's picture is here is because uh, it seems that it seems that uh, Liz Cheney has gotten another another endearing endorsement, right? Um, she's being endorsed by the Wyoming Democrats. They're rallying around her. I don't know 
how many endorsements she's going to take from people that just damn her. Um, I mean, surely um, uh, an endorsement from OJ Simpson didn't help. And I don't see how an endorsement from uh, the uh, Democrats in Wyoming will give her any favor either. Okay, guys, let's go into some quick coronavirus news. Um, we had a report coming from the Cl uh, Clarksville now about this man here, uh, MGJP McGee, Commanding General of the 101st for, First Airborne Division. Now, this guy here has uh, went ahead and decided that if you are serving at his, uh, at his, uh, let's see, where's where's this guy at? Havara, yeah. And we'll get into that. Well, anyways, wherever it is, oh, Fort Campbell, my bad. At Fort Campbell, if you have not received a vaccination, they're not going to let you off base. <laughs> And they're, and they're not going to allow you to do any type of activity. So uh, in the Clarksville now, it reported that in a live streamed town hall event, Major General McGee um, announced that soldiers choosing to remain unvaccinated should not re should not consider things business as usual when making plans for the summer. So now he's holding our soldiers hostage at Fort Campbell. Uh, he said it would be irresponsible of me to allow soldiers to travel unvaccinated through the United States and bring that back and have an impact on our soldiers, their families and overall operational readiness. I'm sure that's not going to be a popular decision for some. And that's quite all right, he says. Um, and then he also went on to say, if you are a vaccinated soldier and you've received two vaccines, you are you're at incredibly low risk of contracting the virus and bringing it back home. You post minimal if no risk for them, they'll be able to take leave unhindered and with no additional requirements. Of course, this kind of makes you wonder about how our, um, our armed forces can be expected to um, uphold the constitution and the duties that they have sworn an oath to if they're being held hostage at a fort. But I guess we will see how that turns out. Um, next up, we have Ohio. Okay, you guys have already heard about Ohio and how Ohio is now offering a $1 million lottery to help boost COVID vaccine rates, uh, vaccination rates, uh, which I think is really ridiculous. Um, uh, the, the thing that's crazy about this is that they're, they're using that $1 million is coming out of their federal COVID relief funds. What a waste of funds. I mean, okay, I mean, now they're just basically giving it away into a lottery that makes absolutely no sense. But hey, if you're in the state of Ohio and, you know, you would like to get your um, your double experimental jabs, you know, uh, you will be able to qualify for this lottery starting May 26th. <laughs> you must be years uh, between the, uh, you must be 18 years of age or older. Now, here's another thing that's kind of I think this is kind of heinous, like. Why on earth are they pushing it so hard, right? And this is uh, Governor DeWine here. That's the man right there. Governor DeWine's the one who's doing this for you. But he is also offering to uh, uh, Ohioans between the ages of 12 and 17. That's right. If you're between the ages of 12 and 17 and you get the COVID vaccine experimental gene therapy, you too may qualify for something cool. It's like a game show host, like they're just handing out stuff left and right there. So apparently if you're between the ages of 12 and 17, you will get a full four year scholarship that includes tuition, room and board and books to any Ohio public university. So clearly Governor DeWine over there in Ohio is jumping on the socialist train and uh, he's going to he's going to make sure that the government pays you to get your vaccine shot. 
And he's also going to make sure that the government pays for your free school. And I'm sure all of that's going to come out of the COVID relief funds, because I'm sure that's exactly what those relief funds were for, right? That's insane, guys. I can't believe this guy. Um, um, wh who is it? Um, uh, Representative Jim Renacci of Ohio. He said, offering a four-year all-expenses-paid scholarship in an effort to get children vaccinated is a pointless waste of tax dollars. No true conservative would ever support that. And indeed, Ohioans do deserve better than that. Now, something that you may not have known about the state of Ohio, um, according to the Ohio Health Department, Governor, De Governor DeWine has said that he is going to remove all pandemic health orders except for those for nursing homes and assisted living facilities as of June 2nd. So on June 2nd, Ohioans, you will have your freedom back, unfortunately, because they are depending on the, um, unfortunately, since they're depending on, you know, the general public, your boss, your coworkers, your family, your friends, and everyone else to keep these stringent Ohio, um, COVID um, um, rules and non-rules and regulations in place, they're going to, they're still going to depend on the fear of the public to enforce them. Um, as we, we do see the case to be throughout um, any of the states who have lifted those COVID um, uh, non-regulations. All right, guys, that's going to take us over to the country of India. I thought this was an interesting story. This is also a COVID story. Up, oh, we're covering a little bit of international news here, I see. Okay, guys. So uh, we see over here in the country of India uh, that we had an Indian actor. Apparently, he was a well-known actor and a comedian by the name of, um, let's see, what was this dude's name? His name was <laughs> Vivek. Vivek? Vivek, or maybe it's Vivek. I don't know. I don't speak Hindi. But um, Vivek, this actor turned into a health ambassador. Here we have a, a picture of him here. That is Vivek, uh, the late Vivek, I should say. Um, he says, I want to put an end to all the rumors. I want to show people that there's no danger in getting vaccinated. On the contrary, it will protect us. So he became an ambassador for the COVID vaccine um, and uh, gene therapy sessions. Uh, he took the vaccine and he passed away in less than 24 hours. So that's something that's something to say there. There's a there's an image of him taking the vaccine, of course, with that mask on. How could you really know if that was him? Right. No. But anyways, <coughs> the hospital, the hospital said that Vivek suffered acute coronary syndrome with cardiogenic shock and 100% blockage of a blood vessel. That's pretty interesting. As we just reported yesterday, uh, that new reports have come out by peer-reviewed journals showing that the spike protein inside of the vaccines and the gene therapy sessions are in fact causing these, um, these um, clots, most of them occurring at about the brain. The actor had taken his first dose of Covaxin on Thursday at a televised event with the health secretary of Tamil Nadu to encourage vaccination. Covaxin is still being tested in clinical trials and may result in serious and unexpected side effects, according to the fact sheet for the jab. Of those who have died, more than 50% had heart attacks and brain strokes. Dr. N.K. Arora, a member of the National Task Force on COVID-19, said, out of those who were hospitalized and who recovered, about 20% too had heart attack and brain stroke. 
So that is some pretty intense stuff there, guys. Um, so let's wrap up this COVID news with, all right, Rand Paul strikes again. Now we saw him going toe to toe with Dr. Fauci and uh, really calling Dr. Fauci out on his BS, right? Because we all know that that guy's just a liar. And he's the one that makes things up as he goes, if you ask me. Let's see what Rand Paul had to say this time. If this happened because of the NIH funding, and that came from Dr. Fauci, and then this spreads into a global pandemic, and now he's in charge of the response in the United States, the irony of that, what do you make of that? Well, it's even, it's even worse than you make out. The person they appointed to investigate the lab from the WHO perspective is the guy who gave the money. So NIH gave the money to a group called EcoHealth. The head of EcoHealth, a guy named Asank, they got him to investigate whether Wuhan was doing anything inappropriate in their lab. But if they were, wouldn't he then be culpable? So doesn't he have a self-interest in smoothing things over? I'm not saying he did cover things up, but you wouldn't appoint someone who's in the line of uh, supply chain of giving the money to them because ultimately here's the rub. I don't know whether it came from the lab. Nobody knows whether it came from the lab, but who would be culpable? Dr. Sure. Fauci could be culpable for the entire pandemic. So could Dr. Sazank, Dazank, and so could Dr. Xi. I'm not saying that happened. I don't know. But you wouldn't put the people who gave the money to the Wuhan lab in charge of the investigation. That looks like a cover up. No kidding. All right. So, yeah, basically, uh, Rand Paul saying there that Dr. Fauci could be completely culpable for the entire pandemic. So that means maybe even the family members of Vivek can sue him personally. And let's hope that happens. All right, guys, we're almost done with the C report for this afternoon. I got two more stories and then we'll do that special chat recap. I'm promising you guys. Let's see what we got up here next. We got uh, Mexico coming into focus. Now, this is uh, another international story, but it is not a COVID story. Interestingly enough, uh, this has to deal with the president of Mexico, President AMLO, as they like to call him over there, otherwise known as President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. All right, there he is there. <laughs> Probably not the best picture, but I thought it was kind of funny. It brought a smile to my face. Um, but anyways, the president of Mexico is accusing the United States of interference due to them funding NGOs or non-governmental organizations. Now, what do we know about NGOs and what the role that they play in countries around the world? Well, quite often NGOs are used for colored revolutions. Uh, and, and, they, and so people will fund these organizations and these are the people that usually take to the streets and they start, you know, they start crying for democracy and that's their cover, democracy. Um, but, but so President Obrador is putting the United States on notice in regard to an NGO that they have over in their country. So it says here that Mexico's populist, and by the way, this comes from The Guardian, Mexico's populist president has accused the United States of undue interference in the country's internal affairs just before a virtual meeting with President, Vice President-select Kamala Harris. So uh, he did say that they weren't, he wasn't going to bring this up to Kamala Mala's hair, uh, Kamala's um, attention, but that indeed uh, it was definitely something that he sent a note over to. Speaking at the morning press conference on Friday, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador called it reprehensible that the United States government would fund a prominent anti-corruption group and the press freedom organization's Article 19, 
who whose work was cited in the State Department's annual human rights report on Mexico. Obrador said it's interference, it's interventionism, it's promoting coup plotters. And indeed, that's what these people tend to do. The president, who's also known as AMLO, said a diplomatic note, sent a diplomatic note because of the United States backing for Mexicans Against Corruption and Impunity, MCCI for short, which he alleges is seeking to undermine the Mexican government. Um, he said, the financing of this group by the United States government is an act of interventionism which violates our sovereignty. That's why we're asking for them to clarify this because it's a foreign government and they're funding this group. Uh, the note asks that the United States Embassy to confirm if MCCI received financial support from the United States Agency for International Development, and if it did, to suspend that support. The president said he did not plan to raise the issue with Harris because they have to focus on immigration because she's not coming to the border, right? Um, the MCII MCCI founder, interestingly enough, his name is Claudio X. Gonzalez, has a history of opposing AMLO. And um, it said in a series of tweets that it was uh, it, that its work was legal and that criticism showed a serious misunderstanding of international corruption. Um, President AMLO has repeatedly employed conspiratorial language to describe the work of the civil society's organization, including left-leaning groups with long histories of fighting human rights abuses. And a government spokesman by the name of Jesus Ramirez Cuevas previously accused MCCI of accepting funding from foreign foundations to undermine a railway that President Obrador's administration was building around the Yucatan Peninsula known as the Train Maya. And of course, MCCI denied those allegations. All right, guys, that takes us to our last story for the hour. And we're just running over a little bit past the hour here. And then I'm going to go hop over into UK Neil's room, most likely. Uh, this story is coming from the state of Oklahoma. Uh, this story is, is uh, I think, a good way to end, end the uh, program today. Um, it says Operation Clean Sweep. Um, this is an operation that they were doing in Oklahoma, obviously. Um, it charged 33 people with a child porn sting. So uh, it's good to know that these operations are still running. This story comes from Fox 23 Local in Oklahoma. It says Oklahoma's acting United States attorney announced charging uh, charges facing 33 people Wednesday in a multi-agency child pornography investigation. Acting United States Attorney Clint Johnson held a news conference to announce the charges as a result of what he called Operation Clean Sweep. Uh, the four-month-long undercover operation set out to protect children from predators living within the Northern District of Oklahoma. Johnson says 33 alleged child predators in 10 counties are facing charges and 12 of those alleged predators have already pled guilty in a federal court. The operation is said to have identified and rescued 12 child victims. And uh, then it goes on to give a list of names of those uh, those people who were charged. But yes, indeed, it is good to see that these type of operations are still going, that people who are trafficking humans, trafficking children, or otherwise creating this, um, this gross and illicit type of material are being brought to justice uh, because these are the type of people we need less in our world those who would pick on the defenseless and prey on them nonetheless. All right, guys, that concludes today's C-Report. 
And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Now we will be back. We should be back at 4 p.m. Texas time tomorrow, a uh, 5 p.m. Trump time. For those of you who are um, are are fond of consistency, again, I do apologize for coming on early. But now I would like to address something that came up in chat. Uh, I usually do my chat recaps at the head of the show as opposed to the bottom of the show. Um, but what do you call it? I just thought, you know, eh, why not just do it this time? Now, guys, let me just say, um, I am not one to feed trolls. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I do love the instigation. Um, and, and I do go head to head with them sometimes. So, uh, I really didn't think that this was something that I should address on the C report. I thought maybe I could talk about it, um, in the well, hello, Mr. C uh, show that I do now. But why not do it here at the end of the show? I mean, we have plenty of trolls. I mean, we have, uh, Timo Mitt over in, uh, over in Twitch. He usually trolls me and that's fine. I don't mind it. I just don't pay him any mind. But I, I had to go ahead and address this one just for, you know, shits and giggles to see uh, to see what's up. Now, uh, some of you may have noticed over in the foxhole, it seems I have my first troll over in the foxhole. I didn't think that these were existent, but apparently that they are. Um, I won't name the name of the troll. I'll just go ahead and read what they said real quick and then kind of pick it apart. Uh, it says, hello, Mr. C. Um, uh, if you think we didn't notice, you are mistaken. And then it says, uh, hashtag NCSFH, which I don't know what that means. So I had to look it up and I think they either misspelled it or they put another word in there. I'm not familiar with, but NCSFH apparently stands for not safe for humanity. Uh, uh parent parentheses, especially you. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm not safe for humanity. I get, no, it's fine. I guess, I mean, I guess that's quite a title to have. Um, uh, 10 different trackers on your website. Why so many? If you want to get into squabbles with users, maybe you should rethink your position here. If you got something to say, then say it on your show. So everyone, including methods, knows your position on things. If you have a problem with some of us, say so. Otherwise, stop hiding in Discord with your real thoughts. So I kind of got a laugh out of this. I mean, to be quite transparent as I normally am, and you guys know my name if you've been seeing my programs. I mean, my name is Michael <laughs> and uh, I do live in the state of Texas. I have absolutely no problem with sharing that information to me. Um, but the other funny thing is I don't, I barely use Discord. Like Discord is probably one of the uh, places that you can get a hold of me last. Um, so I don't really know what he's talking about there or they are talking about there. Um, and also in addition to that, I've only spoken with one individual on Discord from the Foxhole app. And that was like a good three or four hour conversation. And uh, despite the fact that there was a little camera on the screen, that individual assured me that they were not recording or broadcasting that conversation. So I don't know if, uh, if you feel comfortable outing your source, if that indeed is the person. I don't hold any kind of like ill feeling toward them. I don't feel a certain way. I still trust that person, um, whomever that might be. So uh, that was kind of interesting to me. Um, and then also, of course, um, the whole thing about uh, people who have avatars with no face and no name, getting ballsy enough to, you know, make these kind of statements, clearly to maybe paint me as a, I don't know, a two-face, I guess. Um, and this whole issue with trackers on my website, it took me a minute to figure what that was because I'm not tech savvy. 
And what it made me think about was uh, some people say that like if you have links to Twitter or if you have links to Facebook or Instagram, that they're able to track you from there. So um, I went back to my website and sure enough, I have 10 links going to different places. Um, and I guess that tracks you. Um, so I guess they're trying to scare people from going to my website. That's fine. The website, don't go guys. You don't need to go to the creport.com. That is not really there for people in the Foxhole app. That's more for like, you know, I'm, when I'm working with other people like Lexit or when I have, uh, when I have national organizations who are contacting me, I would like to have a professional, you know, reference for them to visit. So guys in the Foxhole, don't even bother going to the website. Seriously. It's not important for you guys. Everything that I do here is organic and it's on the Foxhole app now because this is basically my new home. And the other thing that I have to say about that, dear troll, my friend, and I'm not going to block you either. You're more than welcome to come back to the program. Uh, but there's also something to be said about individuals who can't speak for themselves and they have to use other people's names in order to invoke some type of fear. And I'm pretty sure that Methods does not appreciate having his name used that way if indeed he does know my intentions. And uh, clearly my intentions are, are ill and I don't know. I don't know what I could be doing here. But apparently, uh, apparently they're on to me, guys. So you better be careful because Mr. C, he going to get you. All right, guys, <laughs> I just thought I'd wrap up the show with that today. And uh, now, like I said, I'm going to go hop over into UK Neil's show because I'm already running late. And any of you guys who are planning to catch him are running late, too. So let's go ahead and get our butts on over there. We'll see you on the C-Report tomorrow at 4 p.m. Trump time. And don't forget to tune in tonight to Q&A Holes at the Q&A Holes channel. Because we will be having, I think we're having some special guests tonight. And it'll be at 9 p.m. Trump time here at the Foxhole app. Make sure you catch it. Don't be late. And if you're late, don't worry. We don't keep track of tardies here. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>